Today is Monday, November 8th. My name is Ned, and these are my five things. We are joined today by a very special <laughs> guest, who you can hear with that demure little laugh. Please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, my name is Lori, and I am a public librarian. And why have we been in Syracuse this week? I have been attending the New York Library Association Conference, um, which, you know, typically has about 2,500 librarians getting together in a room. You know, this year was a little fewer than that, but it was still really good. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute. So today's episode of the podcast is going to have some of the things that Lori enjoys about being a librarian. Number one, Lori, what do you like about libraries? I am so glad that you asked. I'd have to say that the first thing for sure is that libraries give you things for free. Useful things. Things like reliable information, entertainment, ideas, safe spaces to hang out, and so much more. Isn't free a loaded word though? It is, and I know that it's not really free because you pay for it with your property taxes or some other tax, but I have to say when I was a kid that didn't matter. I would go to the local library and I would look up uh, artists, big, big books of artists, and sit in the aisles for hours while my mom was at work, and it was amazing. And I learned so much about art that I will never forget because of that experience. Do you have a favorite artist from that period in your life? I do. I would have to say, well, I would, I, not so much a favorite artist, but I would have to say an era. I really fell in love with the Impressionists because Frank they, Cayendo, those type, you know, Rich Little. No. <laughs> the look that I'm getting right now is amazing. <laughs> no, because they were, uh, you know, perfect as the enemy of good. That was like their whole platform. Uh, and they just made it beautiful things, you know, but imperfect things. And I really valued that. Okay. Sorry for that sidetrack. So we're, but we're talking about providing things for free. What types of services do libraries, in your opinion, do they provide and should they provide? Um, well, they provide a lot of services already. I mean, obviously you can go and get entertainment like DVDs and books um, you can get information. Um, we have books with, you know, nonfiction books that have all kinds of reliable information that is, or should be, kept up regularly. But you can always talk to librarians too. Librarians love being able to help people. And so they will look up things for you. I mean, I've had very complex reference questions come through that were about some very nuanced uh, things and then I've had people call and say can you google a phone number for me you know and it's really a big variation but we're there to provide information can you give an example of one of those nuanced reference questions no okay <laughs> <laughs> um oh goodness I uh, I get them all the time I have had multiple people call in about uh, you know what different laws mean um, and 
Oh, I had a great story about somebody who came in with his wife and came up to the desk and, and the wife and he parted while she went to go look at something else. And he came up to me and he says, so tell me, where are the sex books? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm, I was just sort of looked at him and, uh, and I was like, you know, I, I had to remain professional. So, uh, so I couldn't make a joke. But I, I looked at him and I was like, what kind of sex books are you looking for, sir? And so we eventually got, you know, through me asking questions and eliciting information from him, uh, we got to, he wanted the joy of sex. And I told him where it was. And I don't think he checked it out because I think he was really embarrassed. But uh, yeah, yeah, I will never forget that interaction. Two, what is something else that you like about libraries? Uh, okay, so they are always evolving. Libraries are always evolving. Um, or, you know, they're trying to at least. It's often stymied by low budgets uh, and dinosaur thinking, like any industry. What does evolution mean in this context? They're trying to provide you with the most up-to-date services that anyone could need. No, I mean, it's in recent years, Wi-Fi has been the biggest issue, providing broadband service to people who don't have it. And especially during the pandemic, we saw everybody went virtual, but there were so many people who couldn't access those programs because they don't have reliable internet service. So libraries have really stepped up and are trying to provide that or trying to support legislation that provides that um, as much as much as they can excuse me um and i think that that's a very important service right now next year it could be a completely different thing how have libraries changed since you've been professionally part of this world oh gosh well when i started i mean we were all still you know amazed by phones <laughs> like cellular phones um, not the not the <laughs> give me klondike five book <laughs> no no i yeah the rotary phones we were like whoa look at that circle <laughs> no no the the idea that you could have a camera in your pocket was still you know pretty new um and now we essentially have supercomputers in our pockets um, and so that has definitely changed how library services delivered. For the better? I would say it's just different. I mean, there are a lot of old school people who are still like, oh, give me a book. I just want actual pages. And then we get a lot of people who just use our services, who we never see in person, who just use our services online, you know, who borrow books online, who watch movies and TV and whatnot online use our databases and stuff who is the typical library patron i don't know that there is one that a great answer yeah i mean there's you know i i really i don't think i could say we have I, so many people who are looking for different things and that's what we try to be is a provider of all the things <laughs> Does that create uh, scope creep? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
and this is one of those areas, and I think we're seeing this a lot uh, in uh, in different social services. Uh, you know, where people are trying to do, like we've seen this a lot with um, police officers recently, where they're being asked to do, um, you know, social worker duties, and that's not their job. And we are we are also regularly asked to do those kinds of duties. So there are a lot of libraries now that are partnering with social work organizations to bring those people into the library um, to help folks, you know, just like, I mean, do anything from apply for Medicare to find housing, you know, um, to help apply for WIC and feed their children, you know. Ideally, where do you see libraries going? We're so often just putting out fires that it's hard to plan for the future. I would love to see libraries embrace technology more. How so? Um, I would love to see us be like the provider of broadband in cities. I would love to see us be a hub where people can not only get on a computer, but can also have a Zoom interview create a podcast, um, create a YouTube video, use equipment that is just, you know, it's it's costly, the equipment. And, and why can't we be the space where people are creating their content? What else do you like about libraries, Lori? I love that libraries are accepting of everyone, and it's something that they are constantly working to do, um, they're, but they're pretty good about it. They're good about when they find a population that isn't using the library, that isn't being served by the library, of reaching out to that population. Can you give an example of that? I can't. So, at our recent NILA conference, we always have a membership meeting, and part of the membership meeting this year was to create the New York African American Poetry Day, which is October 17th. They passed a resolution, um, that and all members accepted it. There were no, no abstentions, no nays, um, and this is all based on a poet that the first African-American poet in the country lived on Long Island. And when? In the 1800s. Okay. <laughs> I know, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, but he did. He lived there and, and he created beautiful poetry and we got to hear some of that. And so because of that, they created African-American Poets Day. Um, and I think that that's just a, a great example of libraries, you know, trying to encompass all, all sectors. That's a very nice thing. Are there other ways that libraries work to be accepting of others that might be more controversial? It sounds like you have an idea. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't at all. But, um, and controversial might be the wrong word. Um, but that's the example that you gave is very PR ready and it's a, a statewide initiative, but I know that libraries work really hard to integrate themselves into 
underserved communities in ways big and small, and I was looking for a discussion of that. For instance, um, how the library that you currently work at, how do you address underserved members of the community, people that are not served by traditional government or non-for-profit means? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So my library is in Newburgh, New York, which is, um, and we're right in downtown. So we're in the middle of a neighborhood that has historically been fairly economically depressed um, and, and kind of remains so. There is a large homeless population. Um, but we have started training staff on working with homeless individuals or, or unhoused individuals. Thank you. Um, and, and trying to provide them with the services that we are capable of providing. Obviously, if they're looking for social services, that's really not our scope. Um, and we try to refer them to the appropriate authorities, but we get a lot of people coming in who are just like, like people going to the DMV who are trying to get an ID card, just a, a state ID card, not even a driver's license. And the DMV will say, you know, we can't help you fill out this application, go to the library. Um, and so they come in and they don't have any of their paperwork, they don't have any, they don't know what information they need, and they have to do an online form. And they don't, they don't know how to use computers. And so, you know, we have librarians that will sit down with them and help them and walk them through this, but that's, it's really time intensive and it's really emotionally intensive because a lot of times you're asking people really personal questions and they sometimes, you know, it's like information they don't want to give, which is totally understandable. Um, and it's just, you know, I mean, we get referred to a lot for things like that. Number four. We've discussed how libraries are accepting of everyone and they're always involving. What do you think this means? Well, I think that it really means that libraries reflect their community. And because of that, they're all different, and I love that. As you know, when I go on vacation, I love to stop by the public library uh, just to get a better sense of that community. I can uh, lend credence to that. We are probably going to go see the library in Syracuse, down, downtown Syracuse, this afternoon. Uh, yeah, we absolutely are. Okay. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that it's important that when you have, uh, when you go someplace new, you can see someplace where you can learn about it. Um, and it's not just like the Chamber of Commerce, which is focused on retail establishments typically. This is really a place for the people. But also like when people have lived somewhere for a while, it's really wonderful to have a place that encapsulates the values and ideas that are important to that community. But our libraries, and I don't mean uh, to, to take a shot at them, but do they reflect both what's good and bad in the community? It really depends. They can, certainly. You know, if you walk into a library and, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of technology or you don't see a lot of, um, you know, big fancy screens, 
you can tell a lot about that community. You can tell a lot about which departments are really well taken care of. If they have a great children's room, obviously their children's programs are important to them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's part of that reflection that I'm looking for. Okay. So we're in Syracuse for the New York Library Association annual conference. And what do you like about Nyla? Oh, I love so many things about Nyla. It's so much fun. Um, I get a chance to go to a place uh, that I've never been to before or maybe haven't explored very well. And that is certainly true this week since I have, this is my first trip to Syracuse. Um, I get to practice what I preach, as do all the librarians who attend, in that we get to practice lifelong learning, and we get to learn from one another, which is nice. Uh, I get to stay in a somewhat fancy hotel, kind of, uh, and it's like a mini vacation, but with a that, bunch of... That's value added. <laughs> I get to stay somewhere, and it's like a, it's like a, a, a mini vacation, but with like a lot more stress. <laughs> um, I, I'm really happy to be back in person again, and I know that everybody has different comfort levels, but there were a lot of hugs this week. We are a very huggy group librarians, and I really value that. And, and that, you know, it's really the people that I've missed. And the, the reason that I go to the conferences is the people. Um, just getting to see librarians that I haven't seen in a whole year, or in this case, two years. Um, and for many of my professional relationships, this is the only time that we get to see one another. Um, and we get to talk about what's happening in the library. We get to talk about, uh, you know, ideas. Um, and, and just, you know, catch up, basically. It's really wonderful to have developed these relationships over such a long period of time uh, and know that they are still strong uh, and, and extant, really. <laughs> you attended a bunch of sessions. Do you have any that particularly stand out to you? Yes. Um, a lot of sessions stood out to me. There was a great one about uh, working with teens during the pandemic that the New York Public Library uh, talked about. One of, one of the women from the New York Public Library had started this program with teens um, that was completely virtual and they created a magazine for six to 12 year olds and it was like a highlights style magazine. And was there a goofus and gallant? No, there wasn't, no, but they did create puzzles. Um, it was it was beautiful though, and each page was done by a different teenager. And so, you know, during the pandemic, if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, none of us knew what was going to happen. And so these teens got to come in and be like, "Okay, I'm still working toward my academic goals. Um, I still get to create something for my portfolio, um, and I am helping to create something for these younger children." And the beauty of that is that they can be leaders. They're not the ones subject to, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. They're the ones leading this effort with, you know, direction from these librarians who they had weekly meetings with 
Um, and then every other week they would just have mentor sessions where they can just check in. And it was a much smaller group. It's, I think it was like 50 teens did this program all together. But then the mentor groups were only four or five teens. And so they were able to really check in and say like, how are you doing? How are things at home? You know, how, how is schooling going? You know, um, and I think during the pandemic, that was really important. Were there any other sessions or educational opportunities that you found interesting? I got to contribute um, on a session uh, about the New York State Library and uh, add ideas to their strategic plan, which is, you know, really makes me feel valued as a librarian. Um, the fact that they're eliciting that kind of information from, you know, just regular librarians uh, and library staff. It was really anybody at the conference could contribute to this. Now, this is the New York State Library and Archives in Albany? This is, yeah, this is the New York State Library, which is in the Cultural Education Center in Albany. Um, and that's a building that houses the archives, the library, and the museum. Mm -hmm. The, you know, um, so this was... The New York State Museum. Yeah. So this is just the library, though. But it was led by the state librarian, Lauren Moore, who is wonderful and is, is always eliciting ideas from people and is really willing to hear you and incorporate new ideas into the state library, which I think is very important. Thank you for joining us, Lori. Is there anything that you'd like to promote? Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I mean, other than, you know, just go to your library and get a library card from your local public library. Uh, you can find me and ask me questions on Instagram. Uh, that's my primary social media. And my uh, handle is library underscore shoes. Yes, I said that correctly. Library underscore shoes. Because shoes are very important. <laughs> librarians uh so yeah i think but i think that's about it yeah thank you ned for having me you're welcome and those were my five things thank you so very much for listening if you have any questions comments or concerns you can find me on the socials at E.W. Abbott, that's A-B-B-O-T-T, -T, or on my website, www.ewabbott.com. No links this week. Everything's covered in the podcast. Be well, be safe, be happy.